What's going on, everyone? My name is Cameron Harn, and welcome to the Principles of Fitness podcast, where we acknowledge some of the hidden authorities in the fitness industry. My guest today is a third-year veteran to the industry. He has survived two recessions as a personal trainer without losing a client and even grew his business when others were shutting down. In this episode, we talk about what it takes to make personal training a successful 30-year career. We also talk about interpersonal skills and how that is much more important for today's personal trainer than how many letters you have following your name. So without further ado, please welcome my guest to the show, Mike Pincus. Mike, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself again? I mean, I know you on a personal level, um, but I want everybody else to kind of know who it is that's here present with us today. Um, Just go ahead and explain a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Mike Pincus, and I am a trash man. <laughs> uh, I uh, let's see, uh, fitness trainer, personal trainer, um, been in the fitness industry for uh, just over thirty years now. Started in '87, uh, and got into the fitness industry as um, a means to, not even a means to an end, just as a job. Uh, Started working at a health club back in Chicago where I'm uh, originally from, born and raised. And it was a a job in high school, just to make extra money. Uh, My girlfriend at the time, her dad, worked at a tower and down uh, below the tower there was a health club. And he found out that they were looking for a front desk person and told me to go apply, and I did. Uh, at that time, I was not exercising at all. Uh, I was that 90, I wasn't even 98 pounds, I was probably 95 pounds. And uh, no reason to exercise. There was, uh, I found no enjoyment in it. There was uh, no benefit in it. Didn't know anything about it. And, but I knew I wanted money, so I said, sure, I can, I can do that. So we started working at the front desk and just checking people in and uh, answering phones and cleaning out locker rooms, uh, pretty basic. And a guy, uh, an employee, had uh, come in, and I had, we had different hours, uh, and it just so happened that I worked his shift in the morning. And he came in and introduced himself, and he had shoulders the you know, size of a house, and he had a tiny waist and huge back. And I was like, this guy's a freak, uh, but I was intrigued. And so he said, you know, anytime you want me to put you on a program, I will. I didn't know what that meant. So he said, you know, come on, I'll, I'll show you a couple things around the gym and put me on an exercise program. I couldn't walk the next day. Couldn't move my arms, couldn't shower. It was terrible, uh, but there was something about it that I said, "This is this is pretty cool." So he spent another couple of weeks with me, and uh, I felt you know massive. I was probably ninety six pounds now, <laughs> and then I come to find out that he is what is called a trainer, and he gets paid to teach people how to exercise. And I said, "Who in their right mind is paying you?" to exercise like this isn't fun and I don't understand why they need you to pay you and this really was the uh, the beginning of the fitness industry in terms of personal training it had already taken off in uh, in California there's no question but in Chicago in the late 80s it was really just starting to pick up steam um, there were there were not a lot of trainers so he explained how he got started and uh, I said I was interested and so he started working with me more and more and then our boss uh, sent me uh, for a certification uh, which no longer even exists but once I got that certification I was the man I knew everything I you know don't tell me anything I I knew it all and uh, started training clients uh, which is very scary that I uh, started at that point in time in collecting money for knowing the information that I really didn't understand. So anyone listening, if I trained you in the 87, 88, I'm sorry. Um, and then, Just uh, legs all day. Oh, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we did everything. Uh, Monday was chest, shoulders, and triceps. Wednesday was back and buys, and if we showed up, legs was Friday. Uh, we started with bench press, um, flat. You couldn't start with incline because that was against the rules. So you had to go flat, then you had to go incline, then you had to go decline, then you went into dumbbells, 
And then you finish off with the uh, polishing move of cable crossovers. <laughs> Uh, and it was the same routine over and over and over again. And my boss at the time was a former bodybuilder himself. Uh, the trainer was a competitive bodybuilder. Both came from the world of powerlifting. And they were, I mean, they were a great inspiration uh, to where I am today. There's no question about it. And in 89, I moved, uh, I had the opportunity to move to California uh, to be with my best friend. He had promised me uh, he had jobs waiting for me when I moved out here and that that's a whole nother story and it's a whole nother podcast we can go hours on that one but uh, I got out here in July of 89 and I applied at 14 different health clubs from Pasadena to Santa Barbara and I was living at his parents house in Agora and it just so happened that uh, thankfully two gyms in uh, Westlake area are the ones that hired me and uh, started working at the Westlake Sport House uh, here in town in the mornings from 6 to 2. And from 3 to 10 uh, in the afternoon, I worked at what was called The Firm in uh, Woodland Hills. Firm eventually became L.A. Workout uh, Gym, I believe. And on the weekends, eventually I picked up a third job uh, down in Beverly Hills uh, training. And I just never saw daylight. That's all I did. Uh, threw myself in. Naturally, as the beginning <laughs> stages of a personal trainer absolutely usually are. Absolutely, just do anything and everything. Um, you know, I had the work ethic of my grandfather, of my father. Uh, never say no. Uh, so I got the job offer. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, will it work with your schedule? I'll make it work. And that's where it all got started. From there, how did we get to now? Like, how did you go from, like, you moved out to California, you've got three jobs, mm -hmm. and now, fast forward, like, 30 years later. Right. I mean, how are you doing now, and how did you get to this point? So, in, really, when things started, when I started seeing that there was a, a light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't a train coming, was um, at, at all three of these gyms, I was a floor trainer. Train, a client comes in, a member comes into the gym, they sign up, they get three free training sessions. And I would be the one to take them through, or any other floor trainer would take them through. And it was our job to convert them into a paying client. And I was always a people person. Uh, that was always my thing, even in, in high school. It's partly why I barely made it through high school, is because I was a talker. Um, so it transferred over into the fitness side. I now can tell you 30 years later, looking back, as one of the key elements of the fitness industry is being able to connect with the client, be able to tell a story, hear a story, relay a story, all wrapped up within fitness. If you're just sitting counting reps, counting sets, counting weights, checking body parts, you're going to get burned out. The client's going to get burned out. It's just not fun. So I always had that ability to uh, find fun in anything I did. And so when I would convert these members over to uh, into personal clients of mine, I really became friends with them. I be I got to know them very well. I started to get to know their families and. Uh, so that's where I started seeing where this industry is going to go and where the long-term effect of this is, is how can I change somebody's life over the course of a lifetime? Uh, I saw that when I started with a client, I'm going to continue with this client for months, years to come. Uh, that was always my plan because I realized early on that I have so much more to learn. I thought I knew it all, uh, but I knew deep down there there's more to learn. So I'm going to go and learn it and educate myself through different seminars and different workshops and different certifications and I'm going to relay this back to my clients through story. Uh, it was not something that I could train them for 20 sessions and say see you later. Uh, there, there are many trainers out there to this day that do that. Uh, that's just not my style. In, so I, I saw that early on but really where it transformed my mindset was in 92. Uh, powerhouse Gym which is uh, now uh, Elite MMA, 
uh, location right here, Westlake Powerhouse Gym, opened up in town. And I had left the uh, Westlake Sporthouse, went over to Powerhouse to work there, front desk, train, floor trainer, pick up some clients. And a gentleman walked in, probably about 10 years or so older than me, in shape guy, um, didn't, you know, nothing out of the ordinary, but uh, started working out. And he would come in right at the end of my shift. So he'd probably come in around 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd get off work and I would hit the gym floor. And it, one thing lead to another that we're both working out in the same area, whether it be on the floor or if we're both on the treadmill or whatever. And a little small talk here and there. And it, uh, he had asked me one day, you know, do you want to work in with me? And I said, sure. And so we started working out together. And lo and behold, uh, we did this for about four months, never really talked to each other, uh, both had headphones on, and, but he would correct my form here and there. And for some reason, I didn't question him. I just let him correct it and say, oh, okay, that makes sense. And uh, clearly he knew what he was doing. Well, it turns out that he was a professor, as we called him back in the day, for NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine. And the back then it started in Chicago and the first course left Chicago and came to California in 92. And this would have been the first course that I got uh, to, I, I was uh, able to go to. So it was the first course that left Chicago. And he put up a challenge. He said, I will train you for the next six months and get you ready for that test, which I, of course, didn't feel I needed a test because it's just a piece of paper and it's not going to tell me anything more than I already know because I knew it all. And he said, if you... Uh, fail it, I will pay for it. Uh, I have that much faith in my teaching and your ability to learn. I said, I have nothing to lose. Let's go for it. So he really pushed me mentally harder than ever uh, before. And he also, with NASM, he taught uh, a section that used to be in the program called interpersonal skills. Great. You now have all this information. You, you know how to do a dumbbell chest press, you know how to do a pull down or a pull up, you know how to do these exercises, you know how to teach nutrition, but how do you relay this to the client? How do you get clients? How do you keep clients? That's what he did. Uh, that was his portion of the certification. So it was kind of neat that for six months, I worked directly uh, under him and him educating me on that. Uh, referrals, what does that mean? Uh, how to work with doctors, how to go in and explain what you do in a 15, 30 second uh, meet and greet. And he and I just hit it off great. And at the end of the certification, uh, which I did pass, uh, I, I, along the way I kept asking, why are you doing this? I don't understand why you're doing this. And he had said one day uh, in this process, he said, "You one day that'll hit you. One day you'll figure this out. And when you do, uh, you'll do it the same. And mine took me 29 years later to figure that out, that process, but it was a great give back process. So back in 92, that uh, getting certified through NASM, and after that year of certification, every year I kept going back for more education, more education. I just, I, that's when I realized I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I portrayed that I did. I had the ego for it. Uh, that was no problem. I could talk to clients and I can pick up clients, but I, deep down I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and it was around 95, uh, I was asked to be a hands-on instructor for NASM. Uh, it was a huge honor uh, to teach at the courses. And that was great. Did that for a year. And then um, I worked my, uh, I always worked in a gym up until 92. And in around 92, 93 is when I left the gym environment, went in home training. And that came, uh, quite honestly, that came about is another fellow trainer friend of mine uh, working side by side with me at one of the gyms. Got a, re got a call from a woman that was interested in a trainer for in home. Uh, she didn't want to go to a gym. She had all the equipment in her house, and he couldn't do it. So he said, would you be interested? And I said, sure, not a problem. He said, well, you know how to do that? And I said, sure, no problem. Once again, just BSing my way through it and get to her house. And she had a garage full of equipment, which I couldn't imagine purchasing that much of equipment when you could just go down the street to a health club because that's where I grew up in, starting in the industry. And... Um, started training her and she referred me to a friend that was looking for a trainer and then she referred me and just kept going snowballing 
and suddenly I had more in-home clients uh, that were willing and able to train with me uh, than I could put hours in the gym. So I eventually left the gym environment completely in 93. Uh, did one, one year stint in 95, 96, uh, back at the Westlake Sport House, and then left in 96 and never went back to the gyms. Always been in-home. All my clients uh, probably could, I shouldn't say all, but uh, I'm going to guess 75% of them probably could be connected back to that original woman, uh, knowing somebody wow. and knew somebody. Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. The the long... I don't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Do you remember how much you charged her? Yeah, $25. What did that feel like to you when you, when you charged her $25? Oh, gosh. So... Uh, back up just a tiny step back is back in the day uh, when we were doing personal training we were trainers at a health club in a gym didn't matter health club gym whatever you want to call it we were not employees we did not have to be members of the gym our clients had to be members of the gym the gym did not collect any money from us they did not collect rent from us we were our own employees inside their business Uh, we did not have to have insurance they didn't know any better because I think it was looked upon as how much money could this kid really be making in my building? Wow. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to worry more about the memberships. I'm going to worry about uh, towel service. I'm going to worry make sure this place is clean. And somewhere along the line, the industry grew up and said, uh, hang on here. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made. And today, more money is made in the personal training than in memberships in a, in a successful health club. So we created our own pricing, and I don't even know how I came out with $25, but that was my price, $25 for a one-hour training session. We did not know of anything of packages. We didn't sell packages. We didn't know what that meant. They, they paid $25. They typically wrote a check at the end of the week and or brought in cash every time, and you put it in your pocket, and that was it. Uh, when I went to train in home, my friend that had given me the referral, he had said, you may want to charge a little bit more uh, because you're going to in-home. And I said, well, that's not fair to her. I mean, she needs a trainer and I'm going in-home. But okay, I'll, I'll charge more. So I, I charged $5 more and I was $30 a session for in-home training. And, you know, I, of course, get the calculator out. And man, if I do, you know, 10 of these a day and, <laughs> you know, and I work six days a week, I mean, oh my gosh, this is great. And yeah, so I, I started at 30 bucks a session. And I remember being working in one of the clubs early on, and this one trainer would come in, and we only would see him uh, twice a week, Tuesday and Thursdays, 4.30 to 5.30. We would never see him at any other time. And he was just kept to himself, big guy, trained as one client who was uh, an executive um, Position, if you will, in this this gentleman, and I remember uh, we called him Big Jim, big tall guy, and I remember him coming in early at one point, and I I got to talking to him, and I said, you don't mind, if you don't mind me asking, what do you charge? It's not a mind. He said I charge seventy five. I said you charge seventy five dollars a session, and at the time I was still at twenty five in the club. Yeah. I said how did that come about? And he said quite honestly, I was uh, very busy training client and somebody had come up to me and said you know I'd like you to train me and he said I'm I'm sorry I'm busy and said okay but you know afterwards can we tell well I've got an appointment afterwards and I got an appointment after that and okay well what do you charge and he said just to get her off my back I said I I charge 75 a session she said okay great when can we start and he said well okay we can start next week so his point in telling me this was is if, if you feel that you're worth it start upping your prices and your your value that you bring to the table will dictate what you're able to charge and what clients will uh, perceive as a value and um, so that's where it all started so training I remember I stayed at 30 went up to 35 Um, I think the big jump was when I went to 40 that was a lot I I was very nervous that was you know a number of years later and in 92, uh, 92 was a big year, actually. In 92, I met a gentleman by the name of Tim Adams, 
who absolutely should be on this podcast at some point. And Tim owns now a store called RX Fitness, but back in the day it was the fitness store. He was just a, a manager. And he and I built each other's business uh, quite well. It was my first female, my first client in-home, she's the one that sent me to his store because they had purchased all of their in-home equipment from him. And she said, you need, you should know him. And I said, oh, absolutely. If, if people want to train in home, they need to buy the equipment. They're going to buy it from him, put two and two together. He needed to sell equipment. So I started hanging out with him uh, during the, at the store and on the weekends. And he had sent me to uh, a, a client in Malibu. A woman, or husband and wife came in, said they were looking for a trainer. Um, he felt that I would be a good fit. He knew that I was going to be driving down to Malibu, and so he had quoted them a much higher price. And so he called me and said, just want to let you know that I gave your name and number to this couple. They live in Malibu. And I said, that's kind of far. And he said, well, you, you know, I, I told them that you are going to be $65 a session. And I said, I can't do that. There's no way I can charge that. That doesn't even roll off my tongue. And at the time, I was at 45 a session. I, and, I, and I had just gotten comfortable at that, thinking one day I'll be at 50. <laughs> and he jumped me to 65. And I got down to uh, meet the client. And sure enough, uh, he said, okay, I understand you're 65 I, a session. I said, yes. And he said, okay, that's great. He says, you know, how do you want payment? And, and I was still shocked with him saying that he was fine with that and I was still trying to rationalize how this can came about and how this jumped to this yeah, point. Yeah, what did that feel like to you like inside? Um were your palms sweaty were you super Oh go. Oh, oh, I was I was pitted out, I guarantee you. I my voice was cracking. Uh and again, I was trying to come across as confident and sell it like, yes, I I've, I've been at this for years. And reality was I was not. Matter of fact, the client I trained just yesterday was at 45 a session. So to, to go to 65, to jump $20 a session just because I'm driving down to Malibu, to me did not sound fair, didn't make sense. But what Tim was after was perceived value. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman just spent uh, $30,000 worth of equipment for his home, his beach house on Broad Beach in Malibu. In 1992, there's no way Tim is going to send a trainer that charges 45 a session. It just didn't look right. And this gentleman uh, drove a high-end sports car. His wife had a uh, high-end sports car. They had multiple homes. They traveled all over the world. So Tim saw value right away in how are we going to uh, increase perceived value um, in what my services were. And he felt that that it had to be that. So for me, it was uh, very nervous. Can I pull this off? Uh, do I now have to talk a certain way? Because I'm now a $65 an hour trainer versus a $45 an hour trainer. And, uh, and the reality was no. The reality was he wanted the same. He wanted to be entertained. Uh, he wanted the same stories. He wanted to share stories. And just so happened we exercised two days a week. And that was actually in 92. Uh, I trained that gentleman for eight years, and I learned more from him than in four years of high school. He was a history buff. He was a sports nut. He was a finance guy, and every Tuesday, Thursday was uh, education uh, for him to educate me on his life. And that's where it kind of kind of started for me in piecing all of this together when I kind of look back at it in how does one learn from all these different clients that we're currently working with, have worked with, or will work with, and how do we pull from them, learn from them, educate ourselves, and transform that and educate others as well. And that's what his My Relationship became, um, much more than a client trainer, uh, father-son uh, almost grandfather, son, um, but just uh, an educator, and it, it was great. And in in the end, when I finally had to let him go, mainly only because he retired from work, uh, was not going to Malibu uh, at the beach house anymore. Was uh, 
traveling out to his uh, main residence off the 405, and it was a 45-minute drive one way. Uh, one way there and then an hour back because of traffic. Yeah. And I knew after one week of doing that that this wasn't right. I just, I just couldn't do this anymore. It took me six months, and he never missed. Six months, twice a week of driving out there and complaining on the way there and on the way back. I never said a word to him. And Lisa, my wife, kept asking, did you, did you tell him? Did you tell him? I said, no, next week, next week. And there was always an excuse. So I just didn't have time. I just didn't. And it was just, I, I just couldn't let him go. Uh, for one, we became very close, um, great friends. But I just couldn't, I couldn't give up on the money. Um, that was a big part of it, even though the time was killing me. And so the day came when I had said, uh, he had said, I'll see you next week. And I said, well, there's something I need to talk about. And he said, uh-oh, trainer firing client. And I, I started tearing up. I said, don't do this to me. And he's like, oh, wow. And I said, look, I couldn't even look him in the eye. And I, I was looking down, I'll never forget it, and said, you taught me so much. And one of the things that you don't realize you taught me is there is so much more to life than money. And he is a um, considered a billionaire and uh, to this day and, and quite possibly back then. And I said, money's not everything. Money, matter of fact, is really not a whole lot of anything. Uh, but my time is worth something. And I said, I could charge you double. I could charge you travel time and you would pay it. But it's still not worth it. I, I ju I'm wasting my time in the car two hours where I could be training two more people and affecting two more lives and he, with that he looked at me and says you have been listening and that was it that was our last session and it just uh, it, was a, it was a hard drive home that day uh, still stay in touch with him and I did find him a trainer uh, he tried didn't work tried another trainer didn't work and finally he said I, you know I know you're not going to come back, but I don't want to train with anyone else. I'm just going to stick with my routine that you taught me. And, but it was, a, it was a great learning lesson, and that's when I learned the, the personal side of personal training. Uh, there, it is so much more than sets, reps, and protocols. Uh, and that, that phrase, actually, I did not learn at the time, but that phrase came from Gunnar Peterson. Uh, I heard him say it once, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's exactly it. It is not about counting anything it's uh it's engaging with the client and because of that and i get this question quite often of aren't you burned out 30 years of doing this how are you not burned out i said burned out of what i get up in the morning now i get up at a decent hour six o'clock train my first i i back up i get to go to my first client at seven fifteen, and we talk for an hour i throw in some exercise by the way he tells me about travel, sports, um, politics, relationships. I leave him. I go to my 8.30. We talk more on different things. I see six to eight people a day. I throw an exercise. They throw back at me life experiences, uh, things that I will put away and use at some point, whether it be a travel or raising kids. Um, that's all I've ever done for 30 years. So I can honestly say I've never worked a day in my life. Uh, I've hung out with amazing people for the last 30 years, Monday through Friday. And just had this conversation with a friend recently, uh, when do I plan on retiring? And I have to say retiring from what? What am I going to retire from? I'm not working. So am I going to choose to one day not hang out with six to eight people a day and converse? That's not me. I... I I need that energy. Uh, so I will continue doing it until I can no longer get my body up off, off the floor. Um, along the way, to answer you know, one of your questions is, uh, how does it go from that to this? Um, I think it's that uh, a phrase I heard years and years ago, and when it actually came to working out, back to when that first trainer trained me, and I went through my first chest workout, my real chest workout, and I, I can remember what it was like, and I, I just, I want more, I want more, I want more. And the next day, mind you, I couldn't raise my arms up, but I wanted more. I wanted to do it again. And he had said, stay hungry. Just stay hungry. And I didn't understand what that meant. And 
I remember the next day, can we do it again? No, not yet, not yet. Just stay hungry. You, you need to want it. You need to keep wanting it. And I use that in so many of, um, in, within my business. Um, so I think a lot of it is there are new certifications coming out that I'm constantly interested in and new ways to train, new tools to be used. Um, just before we started the podcast, there's a, a new recovery tool that recently came out that I'm intrigued in and uh, tr- intrigued by and want to go check it out. So it's, it's just constantly learning. Uh, and then being able to share that with my clients. And I feel that most trainers, they have that feeling initially. You know, they, they're, you start training and it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is so great. But, and, and they, they want to chase that, that dream or that, uh, the knowledge. You know, fitness brings such a passion forward for so many people. I know it did for me. I started working out when I was like, I think 12 or something like that. And I mean... I started getting faster. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is amazing. Like, and now I was even telling my wife last night, like, this is a part of me now. Like Mm -hmm. I am not the same person when I don't work out. And, uh, you know, for a trainer, they want to do that. They want to give that back to people, but something along that path derails them. You know, they don't hit that. They don't hit where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know I hit it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I met you that it, changed for me significantly like I was telling people that um, being a personal trainer was just being a step above a stripper (laughs) Um, and that's how I truly felt and I one up that is I personally know a a stripper that became a personal trainer (laughs) go on you know so um, I mean I tried to get out of the fitness industry for as long as I've been in it and I mean, I was looking at doing law enforcement. I was looking at doing finance. I mean, anything that I could to get out of the fitness industry. And I am so thankful that I didn't. I'm so thankful that I met you. And I mean, I, I would not be where I am at today if it wasn't for you. Have you met other people that have gone through that same kind of feeling, but have not stayed the course where they've been coming to you and like, or that you've noticed like, hey, this kid could be great, but they just didn't see that in themselves and they kind of just went the other way. Absolutely. Um, because Tim Adams, again, from RX Fitness, Tim and I met in 92 and we built each other's business and we did it. It was, it, there's no fast track to it. Um, we just knew what we knew. We, and, and Tim is a people person as well. And he, he does not sell equipment. He built relationships. Uh, that's what he will tell you. And it is very true. And in that process of him and I both building each other's business, uh, about seven or eight years after he and I met, uh, he had asked me, he said, there is a, uh, a young kid that works at uh, one of the local big gyms here that is looking to leave, either leave the fitness industry altogether or at least leave corporate fitness club and possibly do something on his own would you be willing to talk to him and I said absolutely and he said what would you charge I said why would I charge anything you helped me I helped you let's help another person and he said well I was hoping you'd say that because I already talked to two other trainers and they said they would charge thousands of dollars I said wow so it's a conversation I said if he wants to buy me coffee that'd be fine so this yeah, kid and I went and we talked and I explained everything that I, I'm kind of explaining here today and a little more in depth of how I got started and why I'm still in it and, and so forth. And the, the process for me, what I learned in doing this, and that was the birth of my mentorship program, the process became for me is what I learned is that any trainer can go we can all go to the same certification course. We can all learn the same things. We can all go to college and get our degrees. And you can put exercise physiologist up against another exercise physiologist. And, and it's not about who has the most information or the better information. The ones that thrive in this business and that continue in the business are the ones that are first and foremost people person. You have to be, you have to have the gift of gab. You have to be compassionate for people. 
you have to see the struggles that you may have never dealt with yourself. I've never had a weight issue in terms of losing weight. I had a weight issue in terms of gaining weight. Um, but you have to be able to put yourself and be almost a chameleon and put yourself in their skin of what it's like. And if you can do that and you feel that you can help them, then it's the right path for you. And I've worked with a handful of trainers over the years that I thought, I, I never asked that question. I, I, they, they said to me, help me get along, help me move along the way, help me create my business and so forth. And I did. And come to find out that they went through my mentorship program early on and they're selling real estate uh, a year later. Or they are uh, started a landscaping business or they're in uh, industrial, um, working in that secure job, if you will. And I, I felt myself, instead of saying, wow, they really gave up, I failed. I did not communicate everything that is needed and what in that process for me as I learned my first question to a trainer today is why do you want to be a trainer and if your if your number one focus is oh, I make great money it's not going to work at all and there are so many trainers that get into this because they know of somebody that's making a lot of money they hear of it they see it especially now with social media it's even worse now and they work out they currently go to the gym, they work out, they can make a lot of money. And th those two do not go together at all. Um, I know more trainers that are making a lot of money in this industry that it was never about the money. And to this day, it's still not about the money. Uh, they just are very good at what they do. Again, same certification, same books that, they, that are being read. There are so many trainers out there that have way more knowledge than I'll ever have. They have forgotten more than I'll ever know when it comes to the human body. But they cannot get a client and they cannot keep a client. It's just not in their nature. So I learned that that has to be the number one thing is uh, compassion and passion for the industry, for wanting to help people. There's uh, there's a recently, and I was telling you, you know, before this podcast that there is a trainer not too long ago, and he didn't fully go through my mentorship program. Um, he kind of we kind of side skirted it, but he was very good at what he did, and he was very he was compassionate and he had passion, and he had the. Uh, he had me out there and maybe a few others telling him that, yes, this is very possible for your future to be a trainer and, and a great trainer. He probably would have been one of the best trainers uh, in a long time, in my eyes. Unfortunately, there's other side to this, and that is society. And so he is in a, um, in a situation um, that the people around him don't understand fitness. They don't have the passion for fitness. They are not. Uh, they did not come from a gym environment, and uh, they don't see personal training as a necessity. It's a luxury. So for them and for the people that are influencing him, uh, you know what? That's a cute little hobby you got there, uh, but it's not really going to pay the bills. It's not going to raise a family. It's not going to uh, buy you a house. So you really want. Um, structure and you really want um, security, you really ought to go into a, an industry that will always be there. And he chose real estate. And he will do quite well in real estate, but he would have done a heck of a lot better in, in fitness. There's no question. So I think to be successful as a trainer, and you and I discussed this early on, uh, when I told you that I wanted you to go through my mentorship program, if you remember, one of the things I had said this was more than just you and I having this conversation. I needed to get Justine, your wife, on board because it takes, it takes a village. It, it takes understanding from your support staff. I mean, first and foremost, your spouse has to understand this is not a quick fix. Uh, this is not a get-rich-quick um, type industry by any means. But if you stay the course and you follow the path of myself and those that came before me and since then... It works, and it works very, very well. So I think to kind of sum that up is 
you, you have to be compassionate, you have to be passionate, and you need a good support team to go down this path. And it'll work great. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it firsthand for myself. Like, when I'm freaking out one day, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. What the heck am I going to do? And I just shot you a quick little text. I was like, let's grab coffee. And yep. I swear from that moment. And we were looking at it, too. Like, it was like August or something like yep. that last year. Yep. Completely changed my life. Completely. And, yeah. And and see, for you, you know, if you, if you were to look at it on paper and just numbers, it would be very... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but somebody would look at it and say, well, that happened fast. And again, every case and every story is going to be different. In your situation, you already had the foundation there. You were being pulled, whether it be pulling yourself or pushing yourself to another direction, starting to convince yourself that this isn't going to work, but you already had your foundation. You're already a successful trainer. You'd already done it. Um, you and I never discussed movements. We never discussed how to train a client. You already knew that. So for you, it was literally just guiding you and saying, hey, remember this? Remember this? And, and sometimes it's just thinking outside the box. Uh, and that's why I encourage yourself and other trainers to have multiple mentors out there. You can have a mentor within the fitness industry, but then you can have a mentor that is uh, your finance guy. You can have another one that does your that's real estate, and they guide you, and they know real estate. Uh, I understand it. I understand finances, but that's not what I know. I know the fitness industry. If somebody were to ask me to do a um, a twenty minute to a four hour lecture on the fitness industry, I w- there's no preparation I need. I'm I'm ready to go. But if you ask me about real estate. I know enough of it to get by, but I'd have to do some research. Mm-hmm. You were already in that. You already knew the fitness industry. It was just guiding you down the right path and saying, okay, let's introduce you to this person. Let's figure out how you do, how you go about this. But before we ever started that, it was the mind games that I got to play with you without you realizing it, is telling you it's okay. It's going to work. You want to do this. It's not like, hey, I want to go into law enforcement. I'm thinking I might as well go in. Um, I don't want to start a construction company, but I might as well because this isn't working. No, you want to do is be a fitness trainer. And so then let's guide you towards that. And we're going to do everything in our, in our possibility to get you there. And if at that point we've exhausted everything after a year and it doesn't work, then let's discuss somewhere else. I'm still going to keep you in the fitness industry because uh, that's going to be my goal. Um, but let's maybe go a different direction than a one-on-one personal trainer. So there's, um, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of trainers out there being misguided um, from programs online to other trainers. Uh, there's other trainers I know that have a mentorship program that is outrageously priced because they feel that if they price it extremely high, then it's got this crazy amount of value. And, but I, I know of trainers that have gone through these programs and ultimately end up coming, talking to me, having a cup of coffee. And the information I give them in a $5 cup of coffee is way more than they got in $2,500 worth of information from this other trainer. So somewhere along the line, I, I did create my mentorship program uh, and, and did put a dollar value on it. But quite honestly, the main reason was uh, just my time. Uh, if I won the lottery, I could tell you that I would continue training clients. Uh, my mentorship program would probably be free um, just because it would free up some time. I would free up my time, uh, but I would still train clients and uh, in charge for that because that, that's the value I bring. Uh, but I love giving back to trainers. I love running into trainers and seeing the smile on their face like, hey, this is working. Everyone told me this was not going to work. Which kind of comes back to one of my original stories. Um, God love my father-in-law. But when I was, uh, I, I had the opportunity to meet my now in-laws before I met their daughter. 
and they were members of the sport house. Um, and so I got to hang out with them and they knew I was a personal trainer and all that was great. Then I started dating their daughter and conversation came up where I was doubting myself, uh, as a trainer, as, as a dying industry, although it was growing, but I was convincing myself that it was dying. And my father-in-law had suggested I get into selling equipment to uh, health clubs because there will always be health clubs and there will always be equipment and there need to be salespeople. And he's in sales himself. And so I did a little bit of research and almost took a job with Cybex. And the brochure was sitting on my apartment counter and my girlfriend at the time, his daughter, now my wife, uh, came in and saw this and said, what, what is this? And I said, well, I, I think the fitness industry is, it's a luxury is the reality. It's not a necessity. And I need to find something that's a necessity. So I think I'm going to go into this. And she said, I love my father, but you're not my father. Uh, my father does sales and does sales very well. You are not doing sales. You are a personal trainer. You are going to continue down this path. And we were just dating at the time. Getting serious, but dating. And that goes back to my support group. So she was supporting me without knowing she was supporting me possibly in spite of what I was being told that no you're going to do this and you're going to be great at it and it that brochure sat on my counter for probably six months because I kept questioning questioning finally I had to throw it out because I I wasn't growing with it I, I had to believe that this is not a luxury it's a necessity and so for me had I listened to the outside um, people around me that did not see my vision, uh, I would not be where I am at today. I, I don't know where I'd be, I tell you that much. Uh, but I definitely would not be a personal trainer. Um, so yeah, it comes down to that support team. No question. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up here, I know yeah. we touched on it a little bit. What's the one thing you would say to a trainer right now who is thinking about leaving the industry? Um, there. I just read a report that there are over 400,000 personal trainers in the United States. I don't know how many realtors there are out there, and I'm, I'm, by any means I'm not bashing on real estate or realtors um, at all. Uh, there's just a lot of them. And, and we see, we pick up the newspaper and we open up and we see, in our town, we see one name over and over and over and over again. Um, he's the one person that sells a lot of real estate high-end. Somebody would say, oh, that's who I want to be. I want to get in real estate and I want to sell what he sells. Same thing happens in the fitness industry. They, uh, they either run into me or they see names much bigger than mine. And that's it. I'm, I'm going to do that because they're living the life. Whether it's real estate, whether it's fitness, whether it's dentistry, whether it's plumbing, it doesn't matter. If you are passionate about something and more importantly, you feel you can make a difference, then it's the right thing to be in the fitness industry. Uh, you have to be passionate about your work so that when you go home at the end of the day, you open up the computer and you go onto YouTube and you watch more and more training videos or you go and get certified and you spend a weekend away from your family going through a certification with a hundred other trainers and you find enjoyment in this, not Ugh, another thing I have to do. Uh, you are a sponge and you just want more knowledge. And not just about how to do a proper chest press, but how to connect this information, once I gather it, to other people. So if you're passionate about the human race and, and, and people and getting people in shape, and that, that doesn't necessarily automatically mean losing weight. Um, some of my greatest joys are training clients 65 and over. I get to them and they can't get out of a chair. And... They've been to the physical therapist. They've been to the chiropractor. They've been to the medical doctors. And everyone says the same thing. You just need to move. But they just, they don't understand that. And I come in and I'm able to connect with them and make them laugh and joke. And I figure out a way to get them out of that chair and get them walking. It's like getting a baby to walk. And seeing the, their face light up at 65, 80 years old, um, to me, there's no, no greater joy. And, and you can't put a price on that. 
So if you have that, that ability, that passion, uh, that want, that desire to, to make a change, it could be working with athletes and getting an athlete to uh, throw a ball harder, um, run faster, jump higher, whatever it is. Um, getting somebody to lose weight, getting uh, some kid to gain weight, um, whatever it is that really drives you, you, you have to put everything into it. You have to make sure you have a great support team around you. Uh, you may be a single person and have it is only you. Then you have to be prepared and ready to know that there are going to be days where I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, if you start doubting it, you're, you're uh, going the wrong direction. You, you really got to believe in it. And give it everything you got. Think outside the box uh, when it comes to getting clients. Um, they're not going to come to you. You, you got to find them. You got to get to them and figure out without being a salesperson. It's about connecting to another human being and sharing your story. Um, why did you get in the industry? What made you go for a 60-mile bike ride? Uh, what makes you go to an hour class of boxing where somebody else would say, what are you, crazy? So yeah, a little bit crazy, but I tell you, the end feeling, there's no other drug out there. And that's kind of the, you know, the fitness industry in a way. When I get a client to do a perfect push-up, uh, I have a 20-year-old right now that I started training five months ago and he came to me uh, extremely um, out of shape, overweight, 20 years old, cannot do one push-up, cannot do one pull-up, barely squat, uh, body weight squats. And five months later, he worked out with me this morning, we did 10 perfect push-ups. And to see the look on his face when he stood up, I mean, almost, I, I had to hold back the tears. Because yeah. for me, it's just, are you kidding me? And we've been doing this five months, and he's 20. And he, when he walked into my uh, facility to, to work out with me, he said he was 6'2", but I, I'd tell you he was 5'9". He was so slunched over and demoralized and just had nothing. And now he stands 6'3". And he comes walking in, and it's a joke. Uh, none of his clothes fit him. He's having to buy new clothes. And his friends are like, you grew. And he's, no, he's standing up proud. And so for me, you know, I, I become that proud father, um, of age-wise, um, but I'm definitely that proud, proud trainer uh, to know that I made the difference. And he had seen other trainers, just didn't connect. He had seen other doctors, it just didn't connect. So you're not going to connect with everybody. Good thing is you don't have to, but you have to be able to connect with people. And if you can, you'll, I mean, it's sky's the limit for you. Awesome, Mike. I think it's a good good note to end on absolutely you can drop the mic right there so that's it for episode one everyone i hope you enjoyed hearing from one of the industry greats today if you're a personal trainer or you know a personal trainer and you feel that their business could benefit from some of the knowledge bombs that mike dropped today then please share this podcast with them take care and stay tuned for the next episode of the principles of fitness